want to talk about one of the hardest things that you will ever, ever, ever do in your life. I hope this never happens to you, but if it does happen to you, this will not only be one of the most significant events in your life, but it will be one of the hardest ones to recover from. I'm talking about adultery. The title of this podcast is Surviving Adultery. There are not many things that will happen to a person more perplexing and painful than finding out that your spouse committed adultery. The big question is, how do you survive? Welcome to the podcast. This is Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. If you want to read what I'm sharing with you, please go to our website and look for that two-word title, Surviving Adultery, and you can read this, and I really, really would encourage you to share this with anyone who is going through that experience. I want to give you a handful of tips, ideas that you can think about and hopefully implement in your life that will help you to pull out of this dark, deep ditch, and it will take a long, long time. If you want to talk to me about this article, please come to our website. You can talk to us. We have a a private members forum that you can subscribe to, and we would love to engage you. And so please ask your questions, and that would be fantastic. Let me jump into it, and let me share this little tip right up front. I will be using the, the male pronoun through most of this podcast, but all you need to do is just apply the word she. If you are a woman and you're struggling through this, virtually everything here will apply to either gender, but I did write it to the male person who, the male gender who is going through a divorce. And so let's start with the bad news. There is nothing you can do to make the pain go away. As hard as that is to hear, it is imperative that you hear it because you don't want to set up artificial timelines that I'll be over this in a week, a month, or two. You also don't want to set up artificial expectations because with timelines and expectations, you can find yourself plummeting into deeper despair if those timelines and expectations aren't met. And so this is Probably the worst news outside of the actual event of adultery is there is nothing you can do to make the pain go away. It's frustrating. It's surreal. It's a helpless feeling. It's despairing. And the reason is, is because God said that a man and a woman should come together and form one flesh. That is Genesis 24, chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. If they covenant together with the way he said they should, a covenant, an agreement. They make a pact together. And if they do that the way that God says they should, they are no longer two people but one. And the only thing that can or should separate them is death. There is something mysterious that happens when two people come together and make one. Death is like an amputation or the radical division of two people. Adultery is like a radical division of two people as well. It reminds me of an amputee who reaches down to scratch his leg only to realize that he has no leg. It is frustratingly awful. Death is real. It communicates brokenness and that things will never be the same again. This reality is why the grief of the surviving spouse can be so great. 
he mourns the radical separation of their one flesh union that has that was caused by death this problem is also what causes the intricated complicatedness of adultery it's not how it's not supposed to be this way adultery is not god's plan as far as his moral will is concerned one of the differences between separation by death and separation by infidelity is the lack of finality regarding the adultery. A spouse may die, but an adulterer has not. The adulterer radically separates by joining himself or herself eventually to another flesh. The pain of this reality is seemingly unbearable. The dawning experience of this new event will change your life forever. The victim of adultery must guard their hearts. The mind can go places that it was not meant to go. The thoughts can run wild, and even more so, because there is a mystery in play here. There's things that you don't know. You have questions. Your questions are many, and your answers are few. And whenever there is a mystery that cannot be explained, Whenever there's a mystery where you're not finding answers, the heart is prone to wonder about what is not known. A person can even overspeculate and lay awake at night, overthinking and overworrying about what's happened. Why did they do what they did? Where did they go to do what they did? When did it start? Where was I? Why didn't I know? And probably the most hurtful question of all, did my wife enjoy the relationship with this other man? Did my wife enjoy physical intimacy with him? A person will suffer through adultery in proportion to their temptations toward insecurity and fear. The more insecure or fearful you are, the greater the pain will be. And it will not be just this short list of questions. There will be many more. The more insecure you are, the more frantic, anxious, and inconsolable you will be. But conversely, it's also true, the more stable you are with the Lord, the more trusting you will be for what God is writing into your life. And you can apply what I've just been saying to any other difficulty that you have in your life. One of the things that you want to measure with the person that you're trying to help is the how they respond to what is happening to them. And if they are frantic and anxious and inconsolable, if they're this way, then not only are they problem-centered, but what you're going to find is they have an idol in their life. You see, we're all standing on a foundation, and whatever that foundation is, we are only as secure as the foundation, and if the foundation cracks and crumbles or somebody snatches the foundation away, we are free-falling. Of course, we're frantic and anxious and inconsolable. And so if you are that way, then what you have identified is an idol in your life. You're standing on the foundation of your marriage. And even though it's a good thing or should be a good thing, even though it's a God thing that he wants us to get married, we can elevate marriage much higher than what it should be, even to the point that it manages us. And nothing is more horrific than going through a divorce when marriage was your idol or going through adultery in this case. Adultery will bring you the starkest contrast between fear and faith. It will pull your heart toward the pit of despair, or you'll press more into God than ever before. Do not be mistaken. It will be your faith in God that will determine how you survive. 
adultery. The truth is that God is in your situation. He was not out of action or preoccupied with other things. God is never preoccupied with other things. That kind of thinking flies in the face of sound theology. The one thing you don't want to do is separate from God during the one time in your life when you need Him the most. Adultery will tempt you to do that. For reasons that you'll never know in this life, God has allowed, yes, He has permitted you to go through infidelity. He didn't stop it. He is omnipotent. He is sovereign. I can't communicate these hard things to you in a satisfying way. You can never hear these things and say, okay, yeah, I I get that. I, I know that God does that. He does permit these things, and I am satisfied. There are no words that can bring you to that place of satisfaction. This is something that God will do. And unfortunately, from many victims' perspective, is God will not explain it to you either. He is not obligated to disclose what he permits. The real truth is that he can't reveal what he is allowing to happen in your life if he explained himself. You could find more rest in the explanation and known outcomes of your suffering. Suppose God came to you and communicated clearly to you, here's why it's happening and here's how it's going to end up for you and you're going to be very pleased If he said that, and again, that's why I said he can't explain it to you because if he said that, your faith would not be in him. Your faith would be in the interpretation of things and the known results and answers that he provided. Your faith must be in him alone. Christ called Peter off a boat to walk on water. Christ did not tell him how it would go or even why he was asking him to walk on water. He called him to walk by faith and later rebuked him because he did not do it well. It was about faith. It was about trusting our mysterious God. Christ is calling you to walk by faith too. Yes, he's calling you to do the impossible, not walking on water, but to survive adultery. And the reason he's calling you to do this is that he wants to prove to you that he is the only one worthy of worship. He wants you to know him for who he is, the Son of God, as they all declared in Matthew 14, 33, after Peter and Jesus got back on the boat. And like Peter, walk toward him rather than away from him in your time of need. Though you did not cause this, the adultery, you're in it. And you must walk toward the Lord. Let him take you by the hand. Let him restore your soul. The title of this podcast is Surviving Adultery. I want to give you a few things to think about, things that I have experienced or observed when helping those who are trying to survive adultery. None of these things will be complete or satisfying to you. I'm providing this podcast in a podcast short-form content It's only 2,000 words, a little more than 2,000 words. This is only a 30-minute podcast. This is not a a book. This is not a mini-series. I'm just giving you a few brief points, but I do trust the Father will use these rambling thoughts to help you to press on in Christ. The first thing that I want to appeal to you is, will you trust God? Now, don't lightly skim through what I have previously said about faith in God 
many people will say, oh, yeah, I trust God. But then what you will see right on the hills of them trusting God is deep despair, uncontrollable crying. I cannot overemphasize your need to trust God at this moment, and it is not a cliche. It is a a practical reality, and not just this moment, but a thousand other moments that will present themselves in your future. You may feel good today, but tomorrow you'll be in a dark tank of despair. You'll need renewed faith for each day. Your heart needs to be buoyed by daily reminders of God's active goodness and help in your life. You will not be able to predict or plan when moments of despair shall inevitably come. You'll ride by a restaurant where your wife met the other man or your soul and your soul will experience trouble. Someone will mention your husband's name or your ex-husband's name and that is all you need to go down for the count. You'll be working on a project and it will not go well. At that moment, the temptation will be to go into self-pity and you'll start dredging up what your spouse did, heaping more sorrow and guilt and shame on yourself. You'll see a happy couple at your local church, which will remind you of what you lost. It will be in these spontaneous, unsuspecting moments that the temptations will catch you off guard. Suddenly, without warning, you'll need the empowering grace of God that can reorient your mind around the hope that you will find in Him alone. My appeal to you is to renew your faith in God each day by asking Him to help you to trust Him. Ask others to help you to trust Him. Point number one, will you trust in God? Number two, you can't make it end. No matter how hard you try or how hard you cry, the pain of this will not go away anytime soon. Adultery does not work that way. One of, one of your enemies will be time, the clock. And time will move slower than you ever imagined. Do not despair in these moments. God will give you sustaining grace. If there was ever a moment when this adage applied, time heals all wounds, this is one of those moments. You can't make it end. When the soul is in the depths of despair, time stands still. It is at this moment that you must believe that God is working for His glory and your benefit. Will you trust? Will you place your confidence in Him right now? I did not ask, will you stop hurting if you believe? I probed if you would merely believe. The pain will continue, but your believing must not stop. You do not want your faith to stop, especially at this crucial time of unmitigated misery. Thought number one, will you trust God? Thought number two, you can't make it end. Thought number three, adultery does not mean a ticket to leave. Yes, there is an adultery clause in Matthew 19, 3 through 9. That exception does not mean you're supposed to use it. Divorce will not necessarily change anything so often. That is the card that people play, and repeatedly, time and again, many of these people, most of these people realize that that the divorce didn't change anything. I'm the same person with the same issues, same struggles, just a different day. Be very careful before you go there. It's rarely wise for a person to make a life-altering decision while amid a traumatic event. 
Though there is a clause, that clause is a fragment in a book about reconciliation, the Bible is a reconciliation book. That is its story. From Genesis to Revelation, God is presenting to us a plan for redemption. I suppose he could have taken an escape clause and started over, but the Lord didn't do that. He began to implement a plan of redemption. He could have just divorced us, said, I'm starting over. No, before you play the divorce card, give it some time. Seek wise counsel. See what else God has in mind. You may be surprised at what he may be thinking. Let's say that you get a divorce, but a divorce is not necessarily the end of your relationship with your ex-spouse. It could be a bump in the road. It could be a traumatic event that God is using to reorient both your minds toward the gospel. Point number three is adultery does not mean necessarily that you have a ticket to leave. Point number one, where you trust God. Point number two, you can't make it end. Point number four, don't seek comparable revenge. I've seen too many times where divorce is more about punishing the guilty spouse than understanding the mind of God and what he might want to do in the marriage. The most important thing that you could do at this point is look upward and trying to discern God's mind and why he is permitting this to happen. There are lessons to learn, but unfortunately we become so horizontally driven and motivated Sometimes you want to hurt the others, other person, whether it be by sinful anger or other means. One of those means could be something as radical and nonsensical as going and having sex with someone. I mean, why not? She did it. I'll do it back. This kind of thinking is graceless and godless. It completely misses an authentic and practical application of the gospel. This point, number four, don't seek comparable revenge. Guard against seeking revenge, which could truncate what God desires to do in your marriage. This is called a complicating problem. The original problem is what your spouse did, committing adultery, leaving you. A complicated problem is an additional problem. Now you're responding sinfully to what is happening. Now we have two big issues in play here. Extend practical grace to the guilty sinner. Remember, you were one who received God's amazing and transformative grace too. I'm not saying that you forgive them when they have not asked for it. But I'm talking about your heart attitude toward them. You have an attitudinal heart of grace and forgiveness toward them, regardless of what they do and regardless if they ask. It doesn't mean that God won't do horrific things to them. He may, he may do that, but that is not your call. Don't seek comparable revenge. Number five, don't ask for details. Sometimes a spouse will begin drilling their adulterous mate, seeking details about what he or she did with the other person. And while there are some things you will have to know, there are other things that you do not need to know. And if you choose self-control by not asking too many questions, it will prove beneficial. Later, you will not have to forget what you did not know. If you don't remember specific facts, you'll never struggle to try to ignore them They won't ever come up again because you didn't ask. You didn't need to know. You didn't need to heap all of that on what you're going through right now. It may seem wise at the moment to know all the details. It's not true. As hard as it is to believe, there is coming a day when all of this will pass. You'll be blessed to know less, and you can resist by God's grace 
and with the future in view. Number six, your marriage is not what defines you. Don't make marriage an idol. You'll know if you have made it as one by the proportion of struggle you have in reorienting your mind and your life back to the Lord. If you lose your spiritual balance and cannot recover, your marriage or the loss of it has more power over you than God. That is a definition of adultery. And though adultery may feel like the end of the world, it is not. And you can plug in any traumatic event into uh, what I'm saying here. If you're more managed by the things that are happening to you than God himself, then whatever those things that are managing you is an idol. Maybe you should ask someone who knows you very well, what do you think about this? Is my marriage an idol? If it is, you need to address that. How to Survive Adultery is the title of the podcast. I'm giving you a few practical tips. The first one was, will you trust God? Number two, you can't make it end. Number three, adultery does not mean a ticket to leave. Number four, don't seek comparable revenge. Don't seek revenge at all. Number five, don't ask for details. And then number six, your marriage is not what defines you. Don't make your marriage an idol. God is what defines you, and you want to find your identity situated and fixated on him. Number seven, find a community of faith. Adultery is a call to action from the community of faith. You're not meant to go through this alone. That is not God's way. You cannot accomplish the things that I'm calling you to do by going out and shaking yourself or by chest bumping like football players to go fight and win. Win. You will fail. Nobody gets up from adultery and walks a straight line by themselves. It's not humanly possible. You need help from friends and God. The temptations are too many and the pain is too deep. And you may say, well, I don't have a church or I don't have anyone that... I know where you can start by talking to us. We have forums that you can jump on and you can have uh, chats with, you can have conversation with, we can give you some resources, we can provide you with a cyber community of help. Now, that's not the best fit. That is not exactly what you need, but it is a start and you have no excuses. Number eight, that was number seven, find a community of faith. Number eight, don't miss what God is doing. In 1988, I experienced the immeasurable pain of adultery. God stretched my soul in places that I never thought possible. What I have written here in this article and what I'm sharing with you on this podcast are some of the things I learned during that dark season of my life. I truly understood what David said when he asked in Psalm 42, 5 and 6, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David is talking to his soul and he's asking, why is, your, why is my soul? Why am I cast down? To be cast down is to be turned upside down, possibly in a slight hole, in a slight dip, in a pasture. The word cast is the term a shepherd uses to find a sheep in an upside-down condition. 
because of the sheep's high center of gravity, he cannot turn himself back over. Think about a turtle on its back, and you'll get the idea. I found myself cast down, upside down, about to asphyxiate, legs and arms flailing in the air. I could not get back up on my feet. Why are you cast down, O my soul? But God was there. He was working. He brought me through the long nightmare of my soul. I did not come through correctly. I stumbled all over the place as my father persevered with me. I appreciate God saving me, but I have also a similar appreciation for his perseverance with me after salvation because I have not been perfect in any way, and especially working through adultery. Under no circumstance do I ever want to go back to that place again. And under no circumstance would I trade what the Father taught me during those dark days. If you've read anything from our website, if you've watched anything, if you've listened to anything like this podcast, and if you have been benefited from them, I want you to hear this. I will tell you that it was because of those because those resources were born out of the crucible of suffering going through adultery and the dissolution of a marriage, the things that you benefit from this ministry came from that crucible, and you need to hear it. My father gave me a snippet of what he called his son to do. You read this in 1 Peter 2. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. In 2 Corinthians, you hear this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What Peter was calling us to do in 1 Peter 2.21, to walk in the steps of the Savior, what he's saying is that you're going to have to walk in the steps of suffering. What Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, about this treasure in jars of clay, is that we're going to take a lot of hits in this life. And even though we are afflicted in every way, we're not crushed, we're not driven to despair, we're not forsaken, we're not destroyed. We have this treasure in a jar of clay. Now, perhaps your treasure in your jar of clay, that you are legitimately, you have been born again, that you are a Christian, but yet you are trying to recover or survive adultery outside of the power, transformative power of God, and you're running into walls repeatedly, and you're spinning in cycles of despair, then you do have an idol in your life, and you need to learn how to repent of this Because what you want to be is worshiping the true God, not just in word, but you're truly transformed by it, and it is genuine worship. And you can measure that by how you respond to the challenges in your life. Now, I realize that this podcast will not be enough for you if you have experienced adultery, or if you want to fill in the blank here, just replace the word adultery with any horrific event. But this article cannot, this podcast cannot, be enough for you. 
I have produced thousands of resources on our site about adultery, anger, forgiveness, divorce, reconciliation, the sovereignty of God, suffering, revenge, and many other topics. I would appeal to you to explore them, learn them, study these things, spend time reflecting You can't speed up the suffering, and so the more that you devote yourself to the suffering and trying to understand God's mind and how he is working to transform your heart, the quicker you can get through this. If you think that that we can serve you, then I want you to come to us and let us serve you. If you think others can serve you, you please, you need to be part of a local body. But whichever path you take, make sure you choose a way that has a God-centered community who can practically speak into your life. My prayer is that you'll be amazed as you continue to press into God and watch Him turn your ashes into beauty. The tips that I shared with you, the things that you need to hear, and I hope you will meditate upon these uh, often, In the podcast, in the article titled Surviving Adultery, number one, will you trust God? Number two, you can't make it end, and maybe you want to say you can't make it end quickly, no matter how hard you try, no matter how how hard you cry. Number three, adultery does not mean a ticket to leave. Pump the brakes for now. You don't want to take an easy escape. Maybe God has something else in mind for you. Number four, don't seek comparable revenge on the individual. Number five, don't ask for details. Number six, your marriage is not what defines you. Number seven, find a community of faith. And then number eight, don't miss what God is doing. He's up to big things in your life. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Surviving Adultery. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.